Welcome to Toothnomics, the podcast about the business and economics of running your dental office. Hello, and welcome to Toothonomics. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Clary. Today, we're joined by Alan Hollander, president of ePractice Manager. ePractice Manager helps dentists relieve the burden of managing their office so they can focus on patient care. Alan will talk to us about the number one concern patients face with regards to dentistry during the COVID-19 pandemic. He'll also discuss how effectively addressing this concern can help boost the financial health of your practice. And in Toothonomics 101, we'll look at revenue versus profit and why it's important to properly account for profit. As always, we'd like to thank our generous sponsor, Cirrus Dental. Whether you're looking to move away from PPOs or boost your patient satisfaction, Cirrus Dental can help you set up and run a successful in-office membership program. Visit MyCirrusDental.com to learn more about and sign up for a free personalized webinar. That's M-Y-C-I-R-R-U-S-D-E-N-T-A-L.com. And now, to our interview with ePractice Manager President Alan Hollander. So, Alan, we're now nearly six months out from the COVID closures the dental offices instituted to keep their patients and community safe. What do you think is the number one concern that patients face with regards to dentistry? Well, patients are, just like most of the public, are very scared. They are mainly concerned with their health and that of their families for, for obvious reasons. Uh, the CDC continues to forecast a, a bit of doom and gloom about what could happen in terms of the number of cases that develop and the acceleration in that. And uh, the media pushes it very hard. Patients are coming. Patients are basically like everybody else, there's a much higher level of anxiety. So to answer the question directly, people are concerned about their health. They, the questions they're asking themselves are, and this is not just elderly people, although perhaps from millennials on down, they're much less concerned, but people are concerned about mortality, Tom. They're, they're, they're concerned about uh, particularly uh, older people who are, are thinking, gee, would I survive this? So that's, that's the biggest concern that we see on patients contacting offices and, and coming into offices. It's that pervasive sort of anxiety and fear. So how should dentists approach this concern with their patients? Mm. With uh, lots of empathy and lots of reassurance. We have been pushing uh, heavily from the beginning of the COVID outbreak when, when practices started to close. Dentists need to be uh, broadcasting through whatever media they use, whether uh, it should be on their website, should be social media, they can do it uh, by text, whatever forms of communication channels they use they should, it should be part of recall conversations with patients. They need to let patients know, one, how their practice is exceeding the guidelines for safety and infection control. It, you know, look, dental offices for, um, uh, for the most part 
have been doing this for years. I mean, infection control in dental practices is nothing, is nothing new. But people want to know, are they, are, are they safe? So this is a very, very important first message to get out to the public that, hey, you, you, couldn't, be in a, you couldn't be in a safer place by coming into the office. Now, to expand on this, it's actually a tremendous opportunity. And that is that patients are, patients need to be educated now, particularly now more than ever, on the relationship between neglected dental care and their overall health and the potential that unhandled and neglected dental care has uh, on systemic disease. I mean, the science on this is, is, it's all over the place now. It's very, very clear. It's been out since, it's been out for 10, 15, maybe 20 years, the first studies uh, showing the relationship between uh, uh, oral bacteria and uh, cardiac, uh, cardiac events. So, but people need to know that there's much more to this now. There's a lot more research on how bacteria in the mouth can have a cause and effect relationship on the overall inflammation level in the body, the uh, resultant effect on weakened uh, immunity. It's very, very clear. I mean, things, uh, the studies that we show that we reference all the time on this have to do with the cause and effect relationship with cardiac disease, diabetes, uh, endocarditis, Alzheimer's, even erectile dysfunction. I mean, there's just fascinating studies on this. So how should dentists involve their team in addressing uh, the patient's concerns? Well, I think that staff need to understand this message. They, they need to know that their practice, uh, one, and, and uh, you know, a lot of staff are very concerned we, we've seen a lot of uh, doctors around the country are contacting us about concerns with staff who either don't want to come back uh, because of their health concerns or other issues that are, that are COVID connected, but I can get into that and answer that later. But staff need to know this. They need to know that their practice is above standard when it comes to guidelines for infection control. They need to know that, they need to be confident about it. That's fairly simple to do. But doctors need to take responsibility for making sure that their staff do know that. And they are in fact doing that. They need to know that they're safe. But they need to be also in particular on board with this bigger mission of the dentist right now, if you look at the current mental climate, if you will, uh, they, they need to be on board with the mission of helping to educate the public on how vital it is for patients to carry out their treatment and the importance of that in terms of their overall, their overall health, their overall, the level of inflammation in their body, uh, the effect on the immune system and so, and so forth. So that brings up a, a bigger question, both yeah. related to uh, this uh, COVID topic and, and patients' number one concern, 
But how do you achieve team buy-in? Um, support's often a challenge for many dentists uh, in managing their office. Yeah. How does the dentist manage the practice through that challenge? Yeah, that is truly important. COVID or, COVID or no COVID, but, but it's, it, it's harder now. Uh, so uh, look, in the history of uh, my career in, in practice management, which is almost uh, through three decades, I've never met a doctor uh, uh, that, a dentist in particular, that said to me, oh, I got into dentistry because uh, I just, uh, I love business and management. I love managing employees. Uh, and, and basically, it's the lack of time and, the, and, and inclination, an interest level, a desire of doctors to develop management skills that ultimately impacts practices in one form or another. This includes leadership and executive skills. And that is what you're talking about. This has to do with laying out the doctor's core values, if you will, core principles, the, the mission statement for the practice, and, and staff need to embrace this. So these need to be articulated. And we find when you have a staff that's going off in different directions and you have conflict and they're not quite on board, then there's some very, very fundamental element that's missing, like, why are we here? What are we, what are we trying to do? What is our overall purpose? And if it's a good purpose, which of course it would be, then staff will buy into that. And where this is clear, where those policies are clear, that lay these out, expectations are clear, uh, what happens is uh, uh, staff, they buy in, they become more loyal. Staff, by the way, do not, and this is true of not just dental staff, uh, there are all kinds of studies that show that money is not a, a stable form of motivation for employees. People want stability. They want a sense of purpose. They want to have a sense of value and contribution. And that's what has to be communicated. And that comes from the owner. So speaking about money, our, our listeners, they are interested in the economic impact of different decisions. How do you translate addressing the patient concern into an impact economically for the practice? Well, um, you know, I think there are a lot of different ways, a lot of different ways, but, but we have seen this from the beginning and we've proven it out now because our clients are all over the country. And I won't say one for one, but I would say 90% of our clients who are dentists and dental specialists are, have, they've recovered. They're back to and beyond uh, COVID, pre-COVID uh, numbers. Now, one of, the re one of the reasons is they have good, they have good staff, well-trained staff, they have very good systems in place. So they're stable, very stable infrastructure. The other thing too is they are indeed communicating with their patients about the importance for treatment. And they're taking the extra few minutes to communicate to their patients 
and have their staff really understand as well that look, we're in a we're in a dangerous uh, a dangerous environment right now when it comes to healthcare and potential for infection and what that can do to the body. Your dental health is directly related to that and can have a major impact on your overall and systemic health. And so, so, and of course, that means people are buying in and accepting more treatment plans and doing more treatment. So our, our, the numbers that we have where we study these very carefully are very, very supportive of that, that whole concept. So we're about six months out from where many offices were closing. Yeah. And there, there's a group of patients who probably has zero concern about COVID. There's yeah. probably another group who is concerned and working to manage through those concerns. And there's probably a third group who's basically terrified of the, the COVID uh, condition. Yeah. Uh, thinking about that third group, if practices have uh, run through the, the first two groups in terms of their hygiene or their recurring revenue, do you have certain things that you suggest in terms of measuring the effect on the, the third, third group for a recurring revenue stream like hygiene? Well, I think what... Uh... Uh, I think what you have to do is just, well, I don't know. The answer to that is no, I don't. I don't have a, a specific metric for that group. However, if you can segregate that group, if you can separate that group out and recognize that these are people who are very, very scared, then what you can do is you can market to that group. That doesn't mean spending expensive marketing dollars. That means that your person who's doing recall to that group needs a really good script, Tom. They, they need to know how to be uh, reassuring and get across to an individual that they couldn't walk into a safer place. And the fact is, that's not hype, it's true. <laughs> it's true, what could be safer? Who, who understands infection control better? Uh, it, it's almost, it's the same as it would be in, in a hospital that you walk into. Although I think it's much safer going into a dental office now than a hospital. So, uh, but I think that I would focus really, if I wanted to really activate that group, I would focus on individuals doing recall and we have in, indeed developed scripts and had people practice them so people can be very, very, uh, in a very comforting manner, get those people uh, scheduled and give them the very important reasons for coming in now to, to get their dental care, their dental treatment. And so how do you measure the success of those scripts? Well, well, you, you uh, one, one metric has to do with the number of people with the ratio of case acceptance okay. you know and how how we we measure case acceptance this way we take the dollar value of the treatment presented as opposed to the dollar value of what was accepted if the dollar value of what was accepted 
if, if the treatment plan is $5,000 and somebody accepts 1,000, that's 20%. It's actually quite low. N nationally, in general practices, it's around 30%, which in our, our opinion is very, very low. And, and uh, you know, good training in that, in that, in that area, practice, uh, a, a treatment coordinator with a good job description, who knows how to address concerns, that can go up easily 20%. That is major economic impact on the practice. And as you know, that impacts bottom line very directly. In fact, we do many, many talks on case acceptance. And the reason why people enjoy it is because, and they want to hear about it, is because all we're talking about now is capturing a few more people a month who are coming into the practice, they're already there. You don't have to do anything else. So that goes primarily to the bottom line. So your company, ePractice Manager, uh, helps dentists with the business side of the practice. Yeah. Uh, many dentists, myself included, have hired consultants to come into our office for a week or two and help us improve our team, our efficiency, our income. You have a little bit different approach uh, to this. Can you tell us more about ePractice Manager and how you're unique? Sure. Well, we certainly have the same objectives. We want to accomplish those things as well. But we're, we're different in a, in a couple of ways. One, about five years ago, I developed ePractice Manager. And I took a traditional consulting program, of course, broadband availability, ability to do this, to have a, a real live conversation with somebody, uh, started to improve more and more, got easier and easier. So I took all of our resources, our, uh, we're talking a thousand pages of content, detailed procedures, job descriptions, office policies, <clears throat> excuse me, and other materials, and I just digitized everything and I put it into a form, uh, which is a pra online practice su support subscription that offers uh, extremely robust suite of resources and training to doctors, to dentists at a fraction of what traditional uh, consulting would cost. It even includes one-on-one -on -one personal personal coaching and it is literally a fraction of of the cost it's we we feel it's the best value for anybody who wants to improve an issue in the in their practice but our our traditional uh consulting programs the other difference is this we all go to seminars uh some of them are very exciting some not so much. Great weekend, and although now it's no longer a weekend in Vegas or wherever you might go. Uh, it's, it's, it's usually a webinar, even the conventions now. But my point is people get excited momentarily and they get pumped up. They hear great ideas. A lot of people have good ideas. And so the issue always boils down to, and this is what I, honestly feel has separated us uh, over the years. And while we've been such a major player in this business for, for decades, and that is we ensure that implementation occurs. 
And we have a very, very precise way of doing that and tracking implementation and we stay on it. So our systems go in and they outlast us, which I'm, I'm very proud of. So that, that's a major difference. We put the systems in place so they actually get implemented and we take them off the doctor's plate, if you will. Those things that are constantly hitting a doctor, those are the things that affect quality of life. Those are the things that the doctor goes home talking about. Uh, those are the things that cause stress and frustration. The systems that we generate and create remove that from the doctor so the doctor can focus on patient care, which is really, that's the area of training, interest, and expertise. So many offices have been facing economic challenges in terms of irregular income streams and concerns about future income streams with yeah. regard to both COVID closures as well as the patient anxiety. How does ePractice Manager fit into this economic landscape? What we did in the beginning, right from the start, is we, uh, we referred to, I referred to in many webinars, data that a study actually it was actually published in the New Yorker. I'll send it to you, it's very interesting. That talks about how individuals in similar economic declines, recessions, even the depression of 1929, how companies mishandled mis, uh, resources during those periods of time and didn't make it through versus those who did. Those who did came out at the top of the category when the period of recession ended. In fact, smaller companies went way past much larger companies. And here's what they did. They continued throughout that period of time to reach out heavily to their market or to their customer, in this case, patient base. And we preach this with not only all of our clients, oh my gosh, I must have done 20 webinars on this particular subject where we had, uh, whether it was the doctor or somebody in the office, I mean, people were all home, but we had staff calling patients just nonstop, calling them, how are you doing? <laughs> you had an appointment, uh, you obviously won't be coming in, we're gonna stay in touch with you. Do you need any emergency care? Is anything bothering you? And I have to tell you, they were uh, received with such appreciation. And those practices, those, these practices, uh, again, we've been tracking their numbers very carefully. They've come back and their patients have just come right in. Their schedules are, are quite full. For our specialty practices, particularly the surgical practices, we have many of those also they were, we were encouraging them to stay in very close touch with their referral base. And we were doing webinars for those doctors and their referral base. And we were encouraging them to take emergencies, which many of them were able to do. So they kept open throughout COVID. So uh, that's how we were, we managed to do it. But the, the, the message to that particular question you're asking is, 
doesn't matter what's happening. Keep reaching out very, very heavily. Now, the doctors who have not done that, who didn't do that, those are the ones who are having the most difficult time right now in, in, in terms of recovery. So how does a practice get started with ePractice Manager? Well, easy. They go to ePracticeManager.com. We have a demo video. You can watch it. It'll explain uh, exactly what we do, what our resources are. It's under three minutes. Uh, you can, anybody can watch it and they'll get a really good feel for what we do, how we do it, and they can uh, enroll. They get a free, uh, the first month free. They can try it out. They can also contact us uh, through the website or through our information that's there. And we're, we're doing a lot of free consultations right now. We sometimes spend an hour or two with people just answering their questions we want to uh, be a resource, an available resource for anybody who needs help during this period of time. Frankly, whether they're paying or not, we're happy to do it. So how can our listeners contact ePractice Manager? ePractice uh, e Manager, one word, ePracticeManager.com. Just go to our website and uh, all of our contact information is there. Anybody can email me if they'd like, or they can, uh, I'm Alan, A-L-A-N, Alan, that's only one L, Alan at epracticemanager.com. Feel free to uh, reach out to me. If somebody would like to get a consultation, I'll be delighted to arrange it if I'm available. I've done many, many hundreds of them, probably into the thousands. I'm happy to do that as well. For Toothonomics 101, we're looking at a fairly basic but important concept today, revenue versus profit. Your office has revenue, and hopefully your office has profit too. Revenue is all the money you take in from patients, insurance companies, sales of products, etc. If you add up all the deposits to your bank account each month, that is your monthly revenue. Profit is what's left after you've paid all your expenses. If you look at what is left in your bank account each month, after writing checks for all your bills, that is your monthly profit. For a true accounting of profit, it's key to include all your expenses, including a reasonable owner salary. Once you include all expenses, you can determine how profitable or unprofitable your practice is. And this information will help you determine how you compare to a typical practice and look for ways to boost your profitability. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to our podcast and tune in next time for more on the business and economics of your dental office.